listening to the Past the Forecast podcast from Wayne 15. Hey there, I'm Joe Struess. And I'm Adam Salarzik. And we're meteorologists at Wayne 15 in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And this is the Past the Forecast podcast, another milestone, week 20. Yeah, I wish we had a few more things planned for the 25th episode. Kind of got busy. through got through the <laughs> uh, the the Nicholas Ferrari show. We got through the Greg Shop show. You're stuck with us for 25. That's, we can't come up with something special every fifth show. That's right. That's right. We'll get someone else on here soon. Kind of starting to explore those options a little bit as Maybe we get more comfortable. Phone call guests. That'd be great. I'd love Maybe. to get somebody from like the national weather service to talk shop well now we we're, we're getting a little bit more uh, technologically advanced we'll have those chances it'd be nice for sure just to try to try to mix it up a little bit because the the two of us just going at the same stuff every week look we're in the middle of a pandemic life has not changed that much over the last 25 weeks so uh, we'll get into it a little bit in what the hell there are or not what the hell in tracking the topics uh there's some things that have changed there's been there's been some distractions for sure i think that's yes. the best way to put it so let's get right to it tracking the topics esias it is it has become more of a story than i would have liked Whenever we got the list of names, I was just like, please don't let the eye storm be the one that causes large impacts. And now millions are without power. Unfortunately, there have been some casualties from uh, tornadoes that have spawned and some of the flooding issues uh, uh, across the eastern seaboard up to the uh, Atlantic Northeast. So, uh, yeah, it tracked right along the coast. I think the one thing that was particularly interesting is we highlighted this storm months ago just in talking about what the names for the season were, and then you see the next wave likely to develop through the Caribbean and, and into the United States. Just, of course, it's it's the one that has the most intriguing name of the year, and like you said, unfortunately, we're at that time of the year now where we're starting to make that transition to slightly warmer waters and uh, the ingredients, the the variables in place for tropical development and really the sustainability of a tropical cyclone really increasing uh, around this time of the year. So unfortunately, Isaias really uh, packed a punch. Look, you know, tropical storm or not, it can still do a lot. If it's just a, a, a cyclone that is tracking and pulling in all that tropical moisture and dumping it, all in one spot in a slow-moving system. It doesn't, like you said, it doesn't have to be a tropical system. It can just be pulling in tropical moisture and rewriting up the the eastern seaboard there, and it, it can cause massive impacts even with forty mile per hour, fifty mile per hour winds at sustained. It's 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 going to cause some issues. It made landfall as a Category One a hurricane in Ocean Isle Beach, North Carolina, on Monday, August third, at eleven ten p.m. But the impacts of that were being felt well before it even made official landfall. And like I said, millions of people are without power. Yeah, I'm sure there's someone out here that can correct me on this, but wind, we know that's a primary threat with the tropical cyclone. Rain, we know that's a primary threat. Probably, depending on your proximity to the coast, storm surge becomes a third threat and altogether flooding. We know that's the big thing, 
But a secondary threat that we talk about is tornadoes and some of the outer bands that develop. Sometimes you can get some isolated supercells there. I can't remember a tropical system that prompted the, the, the embedded supercell threat, the embedded tornado threat, as much as this one has. Now, I'm sure there may have been one last year that I'm just not thinking about, uh, but, but I was really just stunned at the amount of tornadic activity that was witnessed as this really shot up the eastern side of the country. And it was something that caught me by surprise was yesterday morning, uh, there was there were multiple tornado warnings in the morning hours. Now, morning tornado warnings aren't necessarily unheard of, but just you don't see them all the time. Right. And I get on our uh, on our one of our weather apps and and I see that there's tornado warnings in New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia. Like, it's just like 8 a.m. and these people are being woken up to tornado warnings it was i can't imagine starting your day on that note especially if one's touched down it's 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 not not good uh they cause some damage uh as we've seen with some of the images and all the rainfall too that's just it's it's been an impactful system and it'll be interesting to see if, if it's caused enough of an impact to be retired as a name and that's very interesting because I think when we think about, I don't want to speculate on what the Hurricane Center is going to do here too much, um, but when you think about the storms that have been retired, they have been notable. I mean, the names have been substantial. Okay, what comes to mind immediately? Katrina. Katrina. Andrew. Andrew. Uh, Sandy. And even a few years ago, down in Florida. I believe Michael was upgraded yep. from a four to a five in post analysis category five hurricane. Harvey, if that if Michael hasn't been uh, retired, retired yet, yeah. I would think it's probably coming. Harvey, Florence, I mean powerhouse storms that we've had recently, and we're not discounting Isaias, right? It's just you wonder how much because is it such a unique name. Well, to, how, in terms of how to, how it's pronounced. And how far, because for me, Isaias, with the uniqueness of its name and kind of the interesting impacts that were felt, I'm going to remember Isaias, and I think 20 years from now I'll be able to say, yeah, it came through the Caribbean and went right up, landfall in North Carolina, and people in New Jersey had to deal with tornadoes while the center of the storm was down in Virginia. Think about that. That is quite the distance, and it shows how far some of the outer bands of these systems can reach and the impacts they can have that far away from the storm. Right. So what what is that threshold from the Hurricane Center? It's going to be pretty interesting to see. Yeah, Obviously, it, you know, you never want to see the loss of life. That's the, that's no. the, the tough part. That's the tragic part of this. But it's, as the meteorologist in both of our bodies, it's, it's very cool to see a system do certain things and every system's different. Yeah. So it, 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 it it's educational to learn from each instance. And another thing that's been really interesting is kind of the folklore down in Florida uh, along the Space Coast near the Kennedy Space Center, sort of north, sort, sort of the, the central portion of eastern Florida. There's kind of a myth that a major hurricane cannot have a direct hit on the people there. And we've 
we've run into some really close calls lately. It was very close. Matthew a couple of years ago, and then there was another one a couple of years back. I believe that would have been, oh, it's the one that came up due south, just west of, uh, it actually ended up impacting the Fort Myers area of Florida. It was, it was originally tracked to come up the right side of the state, and it pulled further left. I'm drawing a blank. I am too. Big one. This is what happens when we don't do oh, tropical man. weather very often. Oh, man. Hold hold that thought. Keep the conversation let's, going. Let's hold. Hey, uh, the weather's been nice here recently. We'll probably touch on that a little bit. Uh, usually weather small talk is my forte, but whenever I'm trying to kill time on a podcast, Irma. that I'm trying not to tease anything too far. Wasn't it Irma? Ah. No? No. That was not Irma. Oh, man. It's really nice to know that we both do a lot of research before we do this podcast. We do well, some. There's been, the truth and is, then whenever something comes up. The truth is, the the previous decade, prior to, say, 2015, 16-ish, it was kind of quiet in the tropics. Yeah. We grew up. When we were younger, you had Katrina. You had, I think, about Charlie back in, I think it was 04, impacting Orlando. You had major hurricanes back then. And then we had sort of a drought to where they the, the process has really started more recently it's not to say we don't do our research we definitely do research but in the nature of our uh, conversation some things come up and we're like oh i don't recall that or i don't know that name so you got Uh, it yet i believe it was irma was it irma 2017 let's see you're looking up the track yep we need a big monitor on the wall in here we really can both see what each other are looking at irma came up through the keys yeah it appears wait a minute what why is it so challenging to find yes because you're looking for something so specific that was the track okay that yep, must have I been the one now if that if it was irma um this is great right great great listening for thank you. you for listening there's been that <laughs> one ended up that one looked like in initial model data it may have really impacted the east side of florida but ended up making a landfall on the south side of the state southwestern Florida, and, and kind of rode up the west side of the state. That was a different story. So if you're living on the east side of Florida, kind of this myth or this folklore that you can't be impacted, well, now you had Tropical Storm Isaias slide through. But I think what really is interesting for me, we talk about the social science of, of sort of weather. If you live on that part of the state, you've had a couple col- close calls lately, but you haven't had that direct impact yet. So that only further strengthens the myth. When they had uh, Matthew back in, uh, what was that, 16? That was a monster storm that if it had just shifted uh, 50 miles west, it, it would have been a totally different story um, for the people on the east side of Florida. So I don't know. I really, from a social side of it, social science side of it, it, it is interesting. How do you keep relaying Hey, we got another storm coming in. We got another storm coming in. When the when the belief is, especially from some of the those that live on the side there, well, they built they built the Kennedy Space Center here. Of course, there's, we're not going to get impacted by a major hurricane. Well, wait a minute. So I felt that was kind of interesting, and then to see it go further north and, and impact the Carolinas, and then just it's amazing how when a tropical cyclone gets out of its barotropic environment and moves up into a more barrel clinic environment, much more active weather pattern going on up here, mm-hmm. 
very interesting when it becomes kind of a post-tropical sort of system, still still kind of a, a tropical depression type characteristics where it's at. It's amazing how fast it gets moved <laughs> when it gets into the, the, the polar jet. It started trucking by late afternoon yesterday. It's, it's pretty interesting how fast, how it, fast it moves because it takes so long for it to slide from the equatorial regions. And, if and it's move. making its turn, that turn can seem like it takes two days sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes it's, I've seen them kind of loop within each other. I don't know. I wish I knew more about tropical cyclones. I follow some some really talented tropical people on Twitter, and, and some of the stuff they share, I just I read it and go, man, I wish I knew more about this because it's just tough. And lots of research goes into that, and uh, being Midwest taught, as we've talked about before, we dabble in tropical meteorology, but as you can probably tell, we are not necessarily experts on tropical meteorology. No, we know a lot of the the sort of the, the what would you say, kind of the protocols, some of the procedures, you know. We could sit here and talk about Hurricane Hunter's planes all day, the scale, the Stafford-Simpson scale. We could talk about the impacts. the impacts, how the weather up here kind of has an impact on steering a tropical cyclone out there. We could talk about all kind of that stuff. One thing we can't do is regularly and efficiently recall storms in the years that they happened, as we have learned today. That's right. Yeah, I'm sure there's all <laughs> kind of errors in this podcast. So, eh. But though, maybe the years are not correct, but the names you will recognize. Yes. You will for recognize, sure. for sure. Let's move on to something a little bit more lighthearted. We've both been heartbroken at times so far, and we both felt elation with the Stanley Cup playoffs. That are happening in August. And I will say, August hockey is not my favorite hockey. It's nice to have on. But I just feel like the ice isn't holding up to the quantity of games that are being played. And the temperature. Yeah, that the games we, are being. I, I, don't, I can't tell if it's the ice or the fact that the players are still a little rusty. Because I feel like I've seen multiple games. Not just the Penguins who are my team and the Canadians, but multiple games, players are just falling over, not able to handle the puck efficiently. It feels like it's just, there's multiple times a game, more so regularly, or more so than during uh, the regular time frame of hockey, that the puck just feels like it has a mind of its own, and it is just chaos. That's what I feel like I've been watching. Yeah, you're seeing a lot of the bouncing puck sort of thing going on. Which I hate. I, I recall back to <laughs> some of the playoff runs that I'd watched the Hawks play back, especially 2013 and 15 when they'd go into June and it'd be very hot in Chicago and they would say, look, the ice inside the United Center is going to be impacted from this. So that's where I really first learned about that. It's interesting because I heard a sports uh, sportscaster, sports radio sports guy in Chicago, he said uh, – Two days ago on the mor- on their morning show, he's like, you know what? They're in a bubble. They're playing in a bubble. And what you think about in that bubble is you think about, all right, there's going to be teams playing back to back to back. They're going to be on the same ice. But what you don't think about is this is literally kind of like a tournament being hosted at one site. Players have to get on the ice. They have to get off the ice. They have to have their designated warm-up times, their their pregame skate, maybe their morning skate. So it's not just three games on that ice a day. 
there's there could be more activity going on. Yeah, you're really eating that ice up, and, and we've seen it. I've seen it, especially with the Hawks getting the last game of the night, Monday night, and they'll play the last game tonight. They said some of it could be weather-related in Edmonton. It has been a bit warmer there at times. Uh, at least they're, both sites are in Canada, and they're not doing like Vegas and even Pittsburgh. I right. know those were two other sites that were brought up where it's going to definitely be warmer than it is in Edmonton and Toronto. Right, in theory, most of the time. Um, it's just it is interesting to see that it's not only just an ice maintenance thing, but that the weather could be having a role in just the amount of activity that's going on. So I, I would agree with you. I think that's been one of the things is there's just you know Connor McDavid scored a goal in the Hawks game the other day. The the, the puck was just pure knuckleball, and he just it was just it was a knuckle puck, if you will. Yeah, it, you just you you can't count on the quality of the ice to be good the whole game obviously but it's the penguins i know the most about they are definitely a finesse team with all the skill that they have so whenever the puck is bouncing around and you're not able to corral it that has an impact on their on their style so it has to it changes the way that they have to play and it's just it's nerve-wracking man because in hockey, it's literally you can have a bounce of a puck can change everything. It's interesting that you're not such a fan of it. Um, for me, I wasn't a big fan of these talks going two three months ago about they might come back and play. I have to say I, I felt completely different ever since I saw the teams leave training, training camp and now they're coming out and saying, hey, we've done like 7,000 COVID tests across the league. You've had zero positive. Now I feel like you've created a situation where you've been able to simulate the safest possible conditions. My biggest thing was I don't really like that a team's going to win this thing when players could be exposed to COVID, when you could lose guys on your team because of coronavirus. Like what they're doing and what's what's happening in Major League Baseball. Exactly. And that's why I kind of was like, you're going to have to put an asterisk next to the team that wins. Yes, there's players that would have been injured for the, the normal the normal run throughout the season. I've kind of gotten over that. I mean, we've got to be able to... There's going to be an asterisk no matter what. There is. But at the same time, but the conditions the NHL has, has put together... I feel that if my team wins, if your team wins, if the New York Islanders win, whoever, I do feel that this is the truest, most real way that they could have done it to salvage the season to where I don't feel like baseball feels weird right now. Let's be honest. It feels weird. And the fact that you got guys coming out every every day more, you know, the Cardinals, what it's the, the Tigers are going to play a game for a week because they were supposed to play the Cardinals. And then they're going to play How seven, gonna make inning, up those games? seven inning double headers. You can't make up all those games. It's just not going to. It's It doesn't feel as real. Baseball feels like it's more of a, we're just playing so you guys have something to be distracted by. And, I, you know, you realize they're a sixth of the way through already? Yeah. They're a sixth of the way through. So And, and, to, and to clear something up, I'm not against what the NHL is doing. I'm just commenting on the conditions. the conditions of the ice, which is what I expected. It's just I think it's having more of an impact than I thought it would. Spoken like a true Penguins fan. I, it's just, <laughs> I would not want to be in your guys' position playing the last game of the night. Yeah, well, we, we got a thousand other problems. The ice is the last one. Well, um, we got Carey Price. He's literally the only problem for the Penguins, and 
if you know anything about hockey, pretty good. A goalie can make or break your playoff run, especially in a short series. Yeah, I mean it's tough. It's tough. It's just like I said, my feeling initially was I wasn't a big fan of this whole restart. I was kind of like, let's just make sure we get next season right. But now that I'm watching it play out, I'm a lot. I'm much more of a fan of it. So, yeah, that's how I feel. I mean, the truth is my team could be eliminated two nights from now, and that's so it. So could mine. I mean, it's it, it, it could be over, but I think I'll still follow along as where I'm, I, I, I have to say, I'm watching a lot of Cubs baseball. I'm watching a lot of White Sox baseball. Cubs are really good right now. Aren't fan they? of the White Sox. They're really good right now. They're Both, both teams are really good right now. I, I'm really enjoying watching both. Sox fan who comes from a Cubby household, so I, I I dabble in both. I'm really enjoying it, but I'm not as much of a fan of baseball as a whole right now. I, Look at golf. Golf had some COVID issues early on. They've cut that. They found a you way. You better to knock get on over wood. It. We got the PGA this week. I'm gonna knock it on wood right now. <laughs> I, kudos to golf though. Baseball. I don't know what's going on here, and that scares me. Because what's the NFL going to do? So I think the NHL and the NBA are, are really did, winning. Did you see what New Orleans Saints are doing? I did not. They are, they're not calling it a quarantine and they're not calling it a bubble. They're, call, they're, they're sequestering their players. I think they rented out four floors of a really? hotel. and To try to ensure that they will have the best so situation. They are all in the same hotel. They are basically not allowed to leave said hotel unless it's for football activities, I believe. It's wild, man. Derek Jeter owns the Marlins. He came out the other day and said, look, my guys went out and got coffee. My guys went out and got groceries. Well, the St. Louis Cardinals went out to a casino. so They did. <laughs> that's the that's the reports. The early reports on the Marlins were, were something else as well, and those have kind of been dispelled. So it's interesting, but I think, I think you really got to give it to the NHL and the NBA right now. The PGA Tour. The NBA is on fire right now in terms of – the greatness of the games. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, the atmosphere for no fit and fans being there is phenomenal. Have not, have not watched a lot of NBA. Watched a little bit of Pacers games the last few days. I have They're to agree. Hot. It's, it's, it's easy to watch. It's, it's fun to watch. What do you think of the? So I have two things to comment on. One, what do you think of the NHL's sound? The fans. I, I think they're doing a good job of giving that ambient noise. What really got me was when the Hawks scored their first goal, they played uh, Chelsea Dagger, which is their, their goal song. They're trying to make a home. If you're the home team, they're trying to make it a... Which they are the road team, technically. Oh. And Edmonton was the home team. I would have been a little still, peeved there. They still played Chicago's goal song to try to create a real situation. Now, tonight, they're the home team, and Chicago has to go into Edmonton's locker, Edmonton's <laughs> locker room that's I weird. think that's kind of weird. I, I'd say, you know what, let the Oilers stay in their locker room. It's okay. But I don't know. I So what do I think about the noise? I like it. I like it in the hockey situation. You don't really notice the way that they've covered the stands and they have the big screens. You know that there's no fans there, but it's just a, they made the arena seem smaller. I don't know. I, for me, do you recall watching Olympic qualifiers very yeah. early on? There's not a lot of people there sometimes. I mean, that's a big-time game. If the United States is playing Sweden in an Olympic qualifier, that's a big-time game. I, you know, I recall seeing not a lot of people there at some of those games in the past couple Winter Olympics, but yet it was real. That's what I feel. I feel this is real. Yeah, I do I'm, too. Baseball, I don't feel is real. 
Baseball, yeah. It's just, it, it just weird. It feels like you're watching an exhibition every single day. I love how they got the Oregon players there. Yeah. They really feel They're trying stuff, their best. But it's just one of those things that, eh. Maybe not, because the game's quieter. Yeah, not the that natural, could happen too. I don't know. There's not the natural. I mean, and hockey, it's the checking, it's the shots, the, the basketball, the you're, you're, you're bouncing the basketball. Sneakers. The sne- right. Baseball, it's the popping of the catcher's glove or the crack of the bat, which I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and the second thing I want to touch on is probably my last point on hockey playoffs. The Penguins lost a heartbreaking game, uh, the game one, on Saturday night in overtime. That was one of the feelings I actually, believe it or not, missed the most. Did I enjoy the pit in my stomach? No. That's overtime hockey, baby. But That's what's up. I wouldn't trade that feeling because I know what life is like without having that feeling every so often. No, I agree. I mean, being that it's been, realistically, it's been quite a few years now. I mean, yes, we won a Stanley Cup, and then we lost the next two years in the first round as, as Blackhawks fans, and then we missed the playoffs. To not to, to, to be in a situation now where we're back and every second of the game counts, it's a, it is a great feeling. Even if, Listen, Monday night was not fun to stay up till 1 a.m. and watch a loss. And we lost in kind of a, a rough way, just with some mental lapses down the stretch, I think. But to, to feel, to wake up Tuesday morning and have that post-playoff hockey loss feeling in your stomach, the butterflies that you still felt from the night before, win or loss, I miss the feeling. And it's great to be back. And I hope it extends for a few more games. I don't know what's going to happen here. But you're right. Whether you're winning or you're losing, to be back in that situation of the heart-pumping adrenaline, it's almost like we're back in severe weather mode. Yeah. I know that's kind of a far comparison, but you don't feel that sense of urgency. Obviously, the difference is in severe weather mode, we have more control over what happens. Oh, we have no control over a sporting event. And someone could argue, say, you don't have control over Mother Nature. So We can control our reaction to Mother Nature. That's right. Which is our job. I can't control Connor McDavid scoring a hat trick every night. So, no, it's, it's tough. It's tough. But there are some parallels there to being a, a hockey fan right now or a basketball fan. Just a sports fan. And, you know, having to do some sort of high adrenaline type activity. I don't know. Well, this time next week, we could both be miserable. We could both be happy. I have we no could, idea. The one th- of us could be happy and the other could be miserable. The truth is it's impossible to predict. That's what I'm learning. Yes, because I, of the bouncing of the puck. I think the Rangers series made sense. That was pretty obvious to me. Penguin series is making sense that Carey Price is standing on his head. <laughs> I can't believe the Chicago Blackhawks won the first game like that. So eh, take it. Take Enjoy it. Enjoy with it. What the hail? What the hail? What the hail is going on with the temperatures? We hit the record cold. We tied it this morning. And we had a very cold start to August on day one. We only got up to 70 degrees. The coldest maximum temperature on August 1st was 69 degrees twice in 1920 and 1979. So 
the record we set today, we tied, of 48 degrees is over 100 years old. It is... It was a refreshing morning today, yeah, to say the least. It's been a couple of refreshing days with just the fact that the the light jacket has come back out of the closet. I've noticed. It's very comfortable. The windbreaker is is making appearances. It is. It is. I was out on the golf course yesterday, and it was nice to have a little light jacket out there. As you know, we saw a few raindrops, uh, not too much, but just the the cloudy sort of breezy, refreshing, whatever you want to call it. I missed it. But for me, it's like, hey, look, we're on the way down now, hopefully. Uh, maybe long term, obviously, yes. That's right. But looking ahead towards the end of our 10-day forecast. It, it's coming back. The heat is going to make a return. It's it is. looking like. It is. But you know what? This is our taste of a little bit of September type. type uh, uh, my favorite time of year. Type weather. And then uh, two months from there, we'll be in my favorite time of the year. So... I'm so ready for it. I, I miss winter. Dude, so we're going to be watching. Uh, just uh, Back to sports talk real quick. We're going to be watching the Masters, NFL football. We could have still have some sports go, like uh, hockey we'll going on in like October. We'll see about football. Ooh. I'm worried. Yeah, football is a little bit more worrying. but The I Masters. The Masters in November is going to be. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm ready for that. Anyway, but yeah, so I I'm a fan of these temperatures. I think I've talked about before. 70 to 75 and sunny is my is my jam, as the kids say, I believe. Maybe that's an older people thing, too. I don't know. Maybe it was age-appropriate for me to say that. Random thoughts, I know. But the... We're learning more about Adam Solarzik here as the podcast goes along. It's oh, yes. A, a lot more free-running. In terms of my thoughts? Yeah, you're, you're, well, in, the, you're in the Joe seat today. I that's am in the Joe why. seat today, and you're driving, as we say. So, I am. Uh, I'm trying to do my best Joe impersonation. Well, it's difficult. I don't think I could ever screaming get that. and yelling right uh, now. About mm, I don't think I'm going to get that that far down the road. But I have enjoyed the cooler mornings recently. Throwing on the sweatshirt as you head out the door. Sometimes it was a uh, it was a refreshing refreshing walk this morning. I enjoyed it. It's easier to walk whenever it's cooler outside. Absolutely, cooler, <laughs> lower humidity. Oh, am I boring you? <sighs> wow. Yeah. Ready I'm to go just, to bed it's already? It's just the weather right now. It's just it's pretty bland. I am ready to go to bed. It's <laughs> for other reasons. You get a busy week ahead. I do. Lots I of do. morning shifts. going to see a lot of me. Yes. All right, let's move on to something that we don't see very often here, of course, because of our location on the globe. This but is wild. You want to give that name a crack, or you want me to say it first? 23 years I haven't been able to. I've always heard this since I was a kid. I've just never been able to comprehend that this actually happens. You yeah. go for it. You go for it. Well, we just listened to it for pronunciation. We're still probably going to butcher it. Uh, Utiagakovic. It's pretty good. Alaska had its first sunset since May 10th on Sunday. That's 85 days. I don't know how you sleep. It's fantastic. Blackout curtains. Probably, but then I think November through January is probably amazing. Yeah, so that that's when you would think that it would be dark the whole time. I don't think that's the case. I think that's a misconception. It's Not like the whole time, right? It's but. like civil twilight. So, like, if you're outside, probably close to 
even at this time of year, an hour after sun, official sunset, you still have the little bit of light out there on the horizon. I think they see that for like six hours a day. Right, but it still is pretty dark. Oh, yeah, right, for sure. Yeah, you, still, you still get your sleep. Yes, you'd be constantly sleeping. But I don't like this. I don't think I'd appreciate that. The, all the sun all the time? Yeah, it'd be weird. be odd. It would be weird to have all sun all the time and not really be all that warm. Because they're north work, of the Arctic Circle. You're driving to work at 2 a.m. to fill in for Greg, and it's sunny. Your body would probably acclimate to that, I would hope. Right. Or else it's just going to be a pain in the butt. I don't, I don't think I could live there. I think that would be a quick exit. I would go there for like two days, three days, just to see what it's like. And then <laughs> I really appreciate being able to see the sun go down and go to sleep. One of my favorite things about the fall is the earlier sunsets. I know I'm terrible, but that's I. I so my take everything that year, most people enjoy. My favorite time of the year is the winter. Everything the opposite I, is Joe. <laughs> I, I do appreciate when it's four thirty, five o'clock and it's dark outside. What is your problem? I just like it. I don't know. It's my favorite time of the year. I love you the don't holidays. like enjoying beverages or a bonfire at like nine thirty. I mean, I do, but and the sun is going down. But I don't need to do that year round. I'm not saying do it year round. No, I, I'm saying I, do it about three months out of the year. That's what we're doing. Exactly. I I, I do look forward to the winter. Um, <sighs> I just love it. I love it. I can't get enough of it. You got to have someone at every weather team, right? I guess. I, I guess it. I'm not looking forward to snow. I just want it to be like 40 degrees for highs, though, for a couple days. No, no colder. I'll take, I'll take some 22 degree days. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Got the got, what the hell is wrong with you? you got the sweatpants <laughs> on. You got your winter jacket. You're walking into Kroger with your. You're making the listeners and me. You're walking into the despise Kroger these with thoughts. Your full your full winter gear on, and now of course your mask. Wow. We could get some thermal masks in the winter. We already have those, though. Yeah. You could get some thermal masks going. They're stop, called scarves. Stop COVID and protect or scarves. yourself. We should, we, should, we should do something. We should do like a, like a stops COVID and frostbite. There's your tagline. There it is. You want to trademark that? Yeah, we should, get the, we should make a mask that says stops COVID, flu, cold, and frostbite. The super, the super mask. Is that gonna be plastered on the front of the mask? I don't know. I think it'll be it'll be on the uh, the branding, the uh, the packaging on the box. Yeah, I, th- I think the, I think I just started something here. You want to? You just want to put like frostbite across the fro the frost the frosty mask. I don't know. That's probably Wendy's. The frosty, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't think we could do that. I'm sure there's masks out there with little frosties on them. Someone's probably started that. So I'm sure there's probably some Wendy's fanatic that's well, done Chick-fil-A that. Chick-fil-A has now cow masks. Yeah, that's... I don't like Chick-fil-A, so... Oh, yeah. Never had it. Can't have it. That's fair. Understandable. That is probably... That segment was a lot of hits for me, a lot of misses for the viewers. Not a big fan of uh, some of, of my winter. preferences there. Yeah, for sure. Let's move on to our actual hits and misses. Hits and misses. So... This is, this was a tough weekend. Um, we had fairly high pops in there come Saturday morning for precipitation. And that system sped up it from sped what up we were a looking lot. at it's on an hour for the weekend before and early in the week. It sped up a lot. Someone asked me for a forecast on Thursday. 
and said, when's it going to rain on Saturday? And I said, you know, I think the morning's going to be okay. It rained here Saturday morning for hours, and we got a lot of rain. The mist was really, the mist that came on Saturday, I don't believe was with the timing. By the time we got to Saturday morning with the forecast that I was putting out, the mist was with the amounts. Yeah. Very surprised to see such overperformance uh, on rainfall amounts Saturday. Not going to complain. It was widespread, half inch to inch, with many localized areas getting more in that, more than that. So can't complain with that. Not at all. As for the hit, pretty happy with the low temperatures through the weekend and even into this, well, really not this morning, but uh, yesterday morning. And then we did really well with the high temperature yesterday. We were bang on with that. Right on the money. We did miss a couple of the highs Saturday, Sunday because of just weather system issues coming through. When I say miss, we were about five degrees off on Saturday. We missed on Monday, too. Did we miss Monday? That was the front moving through earlier or That's setting up right. further off the The front seat. came through earlier, so I guess you could say the other miss was we had storm chances in that didn't necessarily pan out. don't think anybody's disappointed in that. Especially after all the rain we saw over the weekend. I would rather give storm chances than say none Especially at all. Especially this time of year with right. what we've seen. Right. So not exactly the greatest weekend forecast. However, given what we were looking at and dealing with, I don't take a lot of anger towards it. I'm not I'm not super disappointed in the performance yeah. for our forecasts from Saturday through now because the stuff that we were sh- we should have hit, we hit really well. And the stuff that wasn't there, it really wasn't there. So it happens. Yeah. We were I, pretty good last week on hits and misses. What is with this chair and hitting the microphone? I don't know. doesn't happen to me. What are you talking about? doesn't happen to you me. You hit the microphone at least two to three times. Never. If you heard, just heard that thought, that was me banging my hand into the microphone. Never. All the time, Jim. Don't know what you're talking about. I have a question for you. Yeah, what is that? It comes from Caleb in our Pass the Forecast inbox. It's the Pass the Forecast inbox. I so, thought, I, hang on. I thought you had a legitimate question. Like, to me. No. Not from Caleb. No, this is a question. <laughs> I know. I get what From you did there. Young, that was a fantastic transition. It was so good. I didn't even know what was going on. A very young listener, Caleb. Yes. Wants Caleb. to know, how do I become a meteorologist? Well, Caleb, first off, thank you for listening. We are a family-friendly podcast. Meteorology is something that requires passion because it's not easy. The classes that you have to take are very much math and science based so if you have an interest in those it'll probably be a little bit easier for you to get through those because if you're interested you have some kind of a passion for those but even if you're not necessarily say those subjects aren't your forte I know several meteorologists that made their way through the program and successfully became meteorologists so you gotta do some cloud physics as some classes, thermodynamics, which is a bear of a class. What are you shaking your head at? You enjoyed thermodynamics? Thermodynamics was the toughest, probably the toughest one I took. Yeah. But challenged me, and I think I took some of the most from it. Me too. I had a lot of walking away from thermo on that last day. My wrist hurt. My head hurt after that 
freaking my head hurt after every meteorology long exam. exam they're like two hour exams but when i walked out i said i did it i conquered thermo got myself i think a b plus i i actually did not despise thermo as much as many of the fellow ball staters how you guys might not even had a curve how big was the curve in your we didn't curve Ooh. my understanding was uh dr coleman great great the, the the one professor at Ball State, they're all great. I enjoyed all of them, all four meteorology professors when I was there. But Dr. Coleman's synoptic class and her thermal course are what really made me think about weather in a different way. I love Dr. Zimmerman's courses down there, her dynamic courses, her climatology courses. I really, she pushed me too. Of course, Dr. Call, Dr. Hitchens, if you're listening, appreciate you guys as well. But Dr. Coleman did not curve. And it's that understanding that really pushed us. I mean, it got to the point where it was ridiculous. We were in the library going, how are we, how are we ever supposed to figure this out? But I'm thankful for it now. I remember long days sitting in a lab with a whiteboard memorizing equations. Me and my classmates just right. renting out a study room. Well, that's the thing. Was your thermal class like this where there was no formula sheet? No. Uh, yes. Yes, it was. We yeah. didn't have one. Here's 30 equations. You need to know them for the test. We would, we got that sheet at the beginning of the year and said, these are formulas you are going to learn throughout the year. Start memorizing them now. And then as we go, you'll find out what they're, what each term means, how they're used and how they're applicable. Yeah. I we, mean, had new, we had numerical meteorology too. Hmm. Mesoscale. Yep. Yep. Synoptic. Yep. <laughs> so, Caleb, some difficult classes, but if you really like weather, it's worth it because it gives you so much more of an understanding of how everything works. Absolutely. You obviously start off with the intro to meteorology class. There's not a lot of math in there. Maybe a little, no, maybe a little stats, maybe a little. That's the basics. Little, Sheer uh, lift, instability, and moisture. It's a little bit of slim. What these things are, how to find them, yep. where you can see them, where you can view them. No, the upper level courses are, they are daunting. But like I said, I am thankful to those professors at Ball State. Those that I had for the upper level courses and those who were the supplemental courses, I'm so thankful to all of them because I got through it. Yeah. I got through it. Thankful for my professors at Central Michigan. You guys had some big names up there. I remember a couple other Central Michigan alum would always talk about uh, your oh, one of your courses. Who was one of the professors? We had Mower. We had Baxter. That's the that's, Baxter. That's the person. Baxter. Baxter is the guy. When when a professor from another university, hours away, mm -hmm. is being talked about at Ball State. That's when you know. Marty Baxter. That That's right. That's when you know it had to be tough. Yeah. That's when you know. My first day on campus, I went to this thing to see all the clubs on campus and, and things to get involved with sports-wise and intramurals and, and, and after class clubs and meteorology club is a thing. And I went to that booth and I had Baxter as my intro teacher. And I remember the 
people at that booth asking me who my teacher was for intro to meteorology. And I said, Baxter, and they immediately were like, ooh. Going to be tough. I got an A in intro. Hey. And then I remember Baxter pulling me aside and being like, you're doing this for your major, right? I said, yes, sir. Well, that's the other thing, though. That's, that's, I had a similar experience with one of the professors at Ball State who early on I, I wanted to be a, a meteorology major, but I didn't know. It's a commitment. It is a big commitment. And when you get through the early courses, then they look you in the eye and say, look, do you know how many students struggled with just this early course? You did fine in it. You should keep pursuing this. That's a very nice, that's a comforting thing. When yeah. you know that, you know, maybe you didn't get the A+. Plus. Maybe you walked out with a B, B-, minus, but they see in you, no, it's a very tough course. It's okay. You've grown. You, that's, that's, a, that's a self-comforting thing. There was a, a mesoscale meteorology test that I took. I had Baxter for that class. Much more difficult than the intro class. Yeah, I'm sure. Nobody would really do too well on exams. This is going to be me bragging. I do not know how this happened, but I got in like an A minus, like a 90 on an exam. And he actually wrote good job on my, I was like, what? (laughs) I was getting C's on exams and like C minuses. Right. Just because of how brutal these tests were. And then I go and somehow pull an A minus out of my behind. I'll never, I, I basically, I, I think I put that on the fridge in my apartment for like a week. <laughs> I can't believe, uh, I can't believe we're hitting and missing so many forecasts with your wonderful performance in your mesoscale course, Adam. Well, we had a pretty good curve, so. That's what people don't understand as well. We, we went to school to learn math, to learn the math behind the stuff we're using. Yeah, We're, we basically, like my last class I took was numerical weather prediction, which is a combination of everything, all your understandings on how all the equations work, and now we're taking those equations and putting them into the weather models and right. seeing how the models handle those. And, it, and you, didn't, you didn't go to school, not four years, was sitting there forecasting. Yeah. That's the misconception. Forecasting is, we did have a forecasting class that Baxter introduced my senior year, and we were the first class to take it. And so we were the guinea pigs, but that's where I really started to learn right. forecasting. And I, I, I continue to be thankful for that class because I started forecasting several months before I got my first job, which is where a lot of meteorologists' first experience right. actually forecasting is. And I had the benefit of getting to do that sort of thing with with TV in college and internships and yeah. really trying to figure out why a lot of things are happening. So mm-hmm. that's what's helped too. Yet it's still sometimes a hard call with your, your forecasts in the morning. So, yeah, shout out to the professors at CMU, Central Michigan. Of course, our four meteorology professors at Ball State, at least the four that were there when I was there. Thanks, everybody. We became meteorologists. And Caleb. You can become a meteorologist, too. You just got to believe in yourself. Yes, you do. Keep fighting, even if it's difficult. If you have to take classes multiple times, if you're passionate about it, you'll make it through, and you'll pick it up. Trust me. 
Send those questions in to past the forecast, P A S T T H E F O R E C A S T at Wayne W A N E dot com. Leave us a review and rating on whatever podcast service you're using to listen to we us. We appreciate today. it. We continue to push sort of the boundaries and what we can can sort of accomplish here with this project known as the Past the Forecast podcast, and we appreciate your support. We'll see you next time as we try to be. Is there any surprise what my number is going to be? It's going to be 87. It's going to be 87. Sid the Kid's birthday is also on Friday. They're playing a game on Friday. He's going to go off. He's going to score like eight goals and have seven assists just I, to make it Well, I doubt make it that work. happens, but stick to weather. Yeah. Watch. He's going to do it somehow. Right <laughs> about the weather this week. 71 and white, Evgeny Malkin is the better player. See you guys. <laughs> this has been Past the Forecast Podcast from Wayne 15. <laughs>